All right, so uh, we're, we're discussing love. Uh, we're unpacking that whole concept. And, and uh, truth be known, uh, it could take all 52 weeks of the year to unpack that one word, love. Um, and, uh, but I'm just going to take some broad strokes uh, for the next few weeks. I'm not going to try to tackle it in its entirety. Uh, but let me just kind of recap something I said last week. There are dimensions of love. Here's a, an example. Uh, people say that they love pizza. Uh, okay, well, that's great. I love pizza too. If you don't love pizza, we'll pray for you after service. All right, we, we love pizza. But then there's this next love where you begin to actually love people. And there's a, a very shallow type of love that people refer to as falling in love. Falling in love is a very shallow type of love, but it's, all, it's, it's usually the entry point for people who end up getting married. Why do I say it's a shallow love? Well, it's a shallow love because it's driven by emotional um, uh, peaks and it's also driven by sexual uh, um, uh, interest. And when people say they're falling in love or they have fallen in love, um, that's usually a precursor to getting married. In the psychologist uh, that I was studying and, and uh, some of the other books that I was reading, um, getting ready for this series, it pointed out how this falling in love period has to go away in order to experience real love. You got to fall out of love to actually start experiencing real love. Falling out of love pushes all the emotion out of the way. See, before you get married, you can talk on the phone to like four in the morning. Hello? No, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. Then after you get married, it's like, what do you want? <laughs> right? Uh, you know, uh, on the honeymoon, you're just like, uh, right, you know, taking pictures of each other, riding a, a horse through, through, through the ocean. Uh, after you get married, it's like, uh, are you going to pick that up? You just took it off. Are you going to pick it up? You know, are those dishes going to wash itself? And... You know, all these things got to go away, you know. Um, you know, the, the husband finds out, you mean we're not going to make love every single night? You know, are you kidding me? And the wife is like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, what? Uh, all these things have got to just kind of, you, you got to get these emotions and these expectations. All, all this stuff has to kind of move on. Um, and then... You experience real love. Now, this is a very critical season because oftentimes people, when they feel those emotions go away, they want to go exploring to find somebody else that can give them them those emotions. Um, but really, what what's happening is is those emotions have to go away to be introduced to real love. Let me give you some examples of real love that I gave last week. Have you ever heard somebody say, "Yeah, I fell in love with my dad"? What? You don't fall in love with your dad. You don't fall in love with your mom. You don't fall in love with text messages and leave your phone on during service. <laughs> you, 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 don't, you don't fall in love with, with family members. You just love. You just love. There's a love that is deeper than falling in love. How many of you have children? Go ahead and raise your hand. Raise your hand. Have you ever looked at your son or looked at your daughter and say, I remember the day I fell in love with you? Are you a wacko? You don't, 
you know, fall in love with your kids. That's, that might be the deepest love anyone can ever experience is for their own children, but you don't fall in love with your children. Uh, Michelle O'Dell, why don't you uh, stand up with baby Zion? There's uh, this Pastor Lance is Michelle. How old is he now? Three weeks? I'm sorry? Two months. All right. So I'm a little off. Uh, but, I, you know, um, I, I, I was at the hospital when the, the baby was born. I wasn't in the room. I was down the hall, around the corner, on another floor. Uh, so text me when it's ready. Um, but, uh, you know, when I showed up, you know, there's like people with tears in their eyes because of this love for this baby. This baby has done nothing but cause heartache to Michelle, to be honest. <laughs> Nothing but like stretch her lungs out for nine months, and all of a sudden Michelle's like, "I love this baby so much," and I feel like going, "Do you know what the? Do you, have you forgotten what this baby's done for the last nine months to you? You know this baby, and, and the baby's coming, ah, 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 and you, I love him so much. How in the world can you love him so much? I don't See, that love is deeper than the love of somebody falling in love. And so if you're in love today, let me encourage you, one day you will be blessed enough to fall out of love. (laughs) That sounds weird, doesn't it? But once you fall out of love and all that emotion goes away, then you begin to explore a deeper love. Uh, I did this last week. I just want to do it again because I love it so much. If you're a veteran in this room, would you just stand your feet for me, please? Go ahead. Stand up real quick. Let's give these guys and girls a big round of applause. I love our veterans. Thank you for what you guys do for us and have done for us. Thank you so much. I mean that. You know, when when people fight for our country, they don't whisper to each other, Oh, I I remember the day I fell in love with America. No. (laughs) You know, they, they love our country, but it's deeper than falling in love. So there's an, explore, uh, an exploration process that takes place to figure out what that love is all about. And it's very exciting because we think we know what it is, and then we realize maybe we don't know. And I just want to say there's dimensions to God's love that are mind-blowing. And just, just to the best I can, I want to be able to explain it a little bit through this series. And so specifically, God's love has grace on top of grace. So let me just unpack that thought right there. And I want to use uh, these picture frames as visual illustrations. And, uh, and, and the reason is, is because in Psalms chapter 103, verse 14, it reads like this, for he knows our frame. Look at the person next to you and say, God knows your frame. Go ahead. God knows your frame. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He knows our frame. Now, these frames that I have up here right now are, are, are all different sizes. Uh, this frame has the capacity to hold this size of artwork. This frame does not have the capacity to hold this size of artwork. This frame has a greater capacity than that frame. But this frame doesn't have as much capacity as this frame. All of these frames, all three of these frames, have a different amount of capacity. And what the Bible is saying is, I know your frame. I know how much 
capacity you have. Now, what is very stimulating for, for me as a pastor, as a spiritual leader, is to unpack grace because grace is needed when a situation is calling on you to have more capacity than what you have. Now watch this. That's like looking at this frame and saying, frame, I need you to hold a painting this big. And if the frame could talk, the frame would say, I can't hold a piece of art that big. I can only hold a piece of art this big. God knows how much you can handle. He knows how much you can handle. Now watch this. Uh, every once in a while, we need to back up and know exactly what grace means. There's a big difference between grace and mercy. Sometimes we take grace and mercy and we just lump it together. God, I need your grace and mercy. Well, they're not the same thing. Mercy uh, is when we need unmerited forgiveness. Which, God, I am so sorry. I need you to forgive me. I may not deserve it, but I still need it. That's mercy. Grace is unmerited strength. Now, I don't know if anyone here has ever thought this before, but have you ever thought... God, I don't want to ask for forgiveness because I know me and I'm just going to do it again. So I don't want to ask for forgiveness because I know I'm just going to do it again. Has anyone here ever thought that? Well, grace gives you the strength to not do it again. So we need the mercy to forgive us, but then we need the grace to stop. Now, when do we need, uh, when do we back up and we say, oh my goodness, uh, uh, I need grace. I need some strength. I need some help. Our capacity gets tested every single time we say something we wish we didn't say. When we do something we wish we didn't do. Uh, has anyone here uh, ever got off the phone and said that conversation didn't go the way I wanted it to go? Uh, I didn't say what I wanted to say. I wish I didn't do it. In every situation where you said something you wish you didn't say, you've done something you wish you didn't do, or maybe, like me, you have an Achilles heel, there's one particular area that you're weak in. It's those places where you say, I need your grace today. When you hang up the phone, you just say out loud, God, that didn't go well. I need your grace today. Anytime you make a mistake, you say, God, that didn't go well. I need your grace today. Anytime you have a need that's this big, it's the need is bigger than what you can handle. I need your grace today. See, it's very difficult when somebody in your life needs this much, but you can only give them this much. God, I need your grace today. If your bills need you to have this much money, but you only have this much money, God, I need your grace today. Sometimes a job, an assignment, will demand this much expertise when you only have this much. God, I need your grace today. 
Maybe there's an Achilles heel, as I mentioned a moment ago, where there's this much pressure, but you only have this much strength. I need your grace today. The Lord says, I know your frame. I know what you're capable of, and I know what you're not capable of. There's a guy in the Bible named Jonah. Um, let's read about him a little bit. Um, it, it, uh, the, the, uh, let me just kind of skip over the first two verses. I'm going to jump straight to the third one, tech team. Um, Jonah was being called by God to go talk to this city of people. The name of the city was called Nineveh. Raise your hand if you've heard this story before. I want you to go talk to Nineveh. Verse 3, uh, verse 2, he says, I see how wicked they are. I want you to go preach to them and talk to them. Verse 3, but Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, uh, my entire life of hearing this story, even in Sunday school as a child, all the attention gets put on him being swallowed by a big fish, etc., etc. But deep down inside, I've always thought about Jonah just kind of being a jerk. Like, what kind of jerk is Jonah? I mean, think about it. Hey, these people are going to die and go to hell. I need you to go preach to them. And Jonah goes, no. I want them to burn. Like, that's not the friend you want, right? I want you to go preach to them. You're a preacher. I want you to go preach to them so they don't go burn. No, I don't want to. I don't like them. What? What kind of preacher is that? Imagine a pastor standing at the door going, I don't really like you. Can you go somewhere else? I don't like you. Can you go somewhere? I don't like you. Can you go somewhere else? Like, could you imagine that? This is what Jonah's saying. I don't like them. And so my whole life, I've looked at this guy and I thought, what a jerk. Now that I'm a little bit older, I've peeled it back a little bit and I've realized that these guys from Nineveh, I don't know that I would have liked them. Let me just tell you what, uh, what I've learned about them is they would worship this false god and they were really big on giving sacrifice to their god. So they would take people and they would dismember them. They would just lop off an arm or take off fingers. This was worshiping their god. They would take off their legs and just make them live with no legs. Just, they would dismember them and this was worship to them. If you didn't believe in their God, they would do things like skin you alive. They wouldn't kill you. They would just, and I'm not trying to be gross or have shock value, but they would take a knife and just take off all your skin, make you lay there in the dirt without any skin. Sometimes they would take people and put them in oil, put chains around their arm and just burn them in hot oil. These were very evil, evil people. They would impal people on stakes outside of the city. And so when God said, I want you to go tell them about me because they're so wicked, I want to be able to forgive them so that they can have everlasting life. Jonah was like, I don't have the capacity to care for these people. I hate these people. I can't stand these people. I want them to burn in hell. You know, I'm going to have a moment. I hope I don't disappoint anybody here. But um, if Osama bin Laden was still alive and the Lord asked me to go talk to Osama bin Laden 
and share the gospel with him so that he would not burn in hell. I, 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 I'm not going to tell you, I, I don't want anyone, look, I, I don't think I can do it. I'm just being honest. I don't think I can do it. Uh, Saddam Hussein, I, I can't, I, I don't have it in me. God, you are asking me to do something I don't have the capacity to do. I only have this much love. You want me to have this much love. I don't have that much. You're asking me to have this much kindness and peace. I don't have that much. You need me to have this much. I don't have that much. How does God deal with people who do not have the capacity to do what they need to do? How does God deal with you and I? When you and I are being asked to live a holy life, but we love unholy stuff. God, you don't want me to live this way. It's not biblical. It's not holy. But I love it. You know a cold stone creamery? (laughs) None of you said yes or no. You're like... (laughs) Yeah, cold stone creamery. Now, I haven't been there in a long time because I'm addicted to Bluebell. But... um, when I, do they still have the I like it, I love it sizes? And you say, so they don't call it small, medium, large. They call it I like it and then I love it. Uh, do they still have that? Anybody know? You guys are like, we don't know. We don't go to places like that. <laughs> you know, when I go there, I always say, give me the I love it size. Because it's like this like gallon of ice cream. I love it. And while I'm eating it, I've got this voice in the back of my mind telling me, you are going to wear this for the next week. Are you good with that? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I want the I love it. So as you may say to me, do you understand the penalty? Do you understand that that's not good for your body? Yes, but I love it. And and in the same way, some of us can hear the Holy Spirit saying, do you understand that what you're doing and how you're living, that is not what I've described here. And we would say back, I know that that's not what, you're descri- what you've described. I know that that's not what you like. But you need to understand with all respect, God, you're asking something from me that I do not have the capacity to have. This is what's happening with Jonah. You know, it's, it's difficult whenever uh, we need a certain level of grace and they don't, or people don't give it to us. Have you ever needed to be forgiven, or you needed help, and the people that you thought were going to help you don't help you? Oh, that'll put some strain on a relationship, won't it? I remember I got a, a letter from my car insurance company. It was an interesting letter. It sounded friendly at first. Dear Mr. Mazapika, dear is warming. And then it begins with something along the lines of, after reviewing your recent driving record, (laughs) and it begins to give the dates of my last three tickets, speeding tickets, March 14th, 
April 21st, <laughs> December 9th, okay. This, I got this letter a while back. It's bothered me for years. This is very therapeutic for me to be able to talk about this. <laughs> and, then it, and then here comes the big blow. We have decided not to renew your, what's the word I'm looking for? Your policy, yeah. Oh, you've gotten one too? <laughs> We've decided not to renew your policy. We want to encourage you to shop around at other agencies so that you don't have a lapse. We'll continue to cover you till the end of the month. Now, see, you know, that, that really has bothered me over the years. It's no secret that I have a weakness in the fact that my foot is too strong. I have a heavy foot. I, I like going fast. Uh, I moved to a neighborhood five years ago where nobody in our church lived in our neighborhood. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I like to go fast. Today, there's about seven families in our neighborhood that attend our church. That's hard for me. I, I, I drive like this very carefully. And as soon as I'm out of the neighborhood, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I like to go fast. I don't want you to see me going fast, but I like to go fast. It's, it's, it, sometimes I've gotten tickets when I was meaning to go fast. And then sometimes I've gotten tickets where I was accidentally going fast. I was thinking about something else. It was an accident. So some of these have been accidental. Some of them have been on purpose. At the end of the day, I've got a speckled driving past. But isn't that why we have insurance? <laughs> That's why I pay you. to Just in case I do something that I shouldn't do, I need you to have my back. I'm going to give you $142.23 every single month so that if something happens, you have my back. I've got somebody that's going to give me grace and mercy. That's not fair that when I needed you, oh, you were there when I was stroking checks, but now when I need you, if you're in the insurance business, I'm very sorry. Just... <laughs> But now when I need you, you're, you're not here. That's kind of like going to a public swimming pool and you see the lifeguard and he's with his chest show off. <laughs> and there's a little sign, I'm here to serve unless you're drowning. <laughs> Doctor saying, I'm here to help unless you're sick. I mean, policemen, I'm here to protect and serve unless you need someone to protect you and serve you. <laughs> Teachers saying, I'm here to teach you unless you don't understand. <laughs> it's frustrating when the relationship does not give you the grace whenever you have exceeded your capacity either inadvertently or advertently. You just need grace. This is where God contrasts every single person we know. Because if you're writing no sound, please write this down. The grace of God is great enough to compensate for our weaknesses. Um, but point number one, with grace on top of grace, needs pull on grace. 
The, the, the more need you have, the greater grace that's available to you. So in a particular area of being, let's say, nice, it's very hard for you to be nice to this particular person. They need you to have this much nice in you, but you only have this much nice. You know, some people demand more nice. Have you ever looked at it like, I don't have that much nice. <laughs> I've had somebody look at me and say, look, don't push me. I'm not that saved. <laughs> I don't have that capacity. I want to say this when it comes to grace. If you, ha- if you need this much grace, if you need this much strength. you remember the definition of grace? Strength. If you need this much strength, there's that much available. Depends on how much do you need it. How much do you need it? In Romans chapter 5 verse 20, it reads like this. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they are. Because there was a law existed, we could see how sinful we were. But as people sinned more and more, people kept on sinning more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Do you know what that means? If you have sinned this much, there's this much grace available. If you have made this many mistakes, there's this much grace available. If you need God to help you because you have exceeded your capacity, to what degree do you need? It's that much available. Let me share a, a, an interesting situation. I, um, I applied for a job years ago. I was in my early 20s at, at uh, Sears Hardware. Now, it's kind of funny that I would apply for that job because I only own a hammer, okay? I don't know anything about hardware. I'm confused about everything about hardware. Has anyone here ever used a shoe for a hammer before? Come on. All right, that's my world, okay? Has anyone here ever needed a nail and all you had was a screw and you're like, this will be good enough? Anyone? Like, I'm going to make this work. Has anyone here ever used a board or a stick for a hammer? Okay. All right, you're in my world, okay? I, I know nothing. All I, I was in college. I needed a job. My dad was done with me. He's like, you're poor, and you're making me poor. <laughs> Go get a job. So I'm out there. I need this job bad. My dad is kicking me out. He's done with me. Long story. Okay. So I'm sitting there and about five minutes into the interview, the guy, the manager of Sears Hardware starts to realize that I don't know anything about hardware. And it became awkward because he was asking me questions about saws and buzz saws and round saws and flat saws. And and I'm like, then it became funny to me that I'm busted and I started laughing because it 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 became funny to me that is we now know I don't know what I'm talking about so I start laughing and then I can't stop 
If you've ever done that, you start laughing, you can't stop. Now I'm getting sweaty. And I'm, my shirt's getting sweaty. Everything's getting sweaty. And then I look at what's happening from outside of my body. Have you ever done that? And now it's like even funnier. And I'm laughing. And he's asking me like these basic questions about, do you, under, do you know how to operate a forklift? And I'm like, a forklift? You mean like a forklift? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm crying. I'm laughing. I'm embarrassed. And I'm, I'm frustrated because I need this job so bad. And, and so I leave. I'm driving home. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Is anyone here just put $2 in your gas tank at a time because that's all you have? Come on, somebody. And it's in change, no less. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I, I get home and I'm totally blew the interview because what he's asking for, he's asking for a level of knowledge that I don't have. He's asking for a level of expertise that I don't have. And worse yet, my bills are greater than what I have. The guy calls me up. I'll never forget this and offers me the job. So I started laughing. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. What is grace? The, the amount that I needed, I needed him to minimize my weaknesses and magnify my strengths. That's something only grace can do. When you're in a situation where you're saying something or you're doing something and you know you're not hitting the mark, just back up and say, God, I need your grace. God, I need your grace. Can we say that together? One, two, three. God, I need your grace. See, in our own minds, whenever the enemy wants to use your mind as a playground and get you to think thoughts that he wants you to think, he will magnify your weaknesses and magnify everything that you may not be doing well and magnify negative consequences. And when we back up and we hear this, we got to say, God, I need your grace. I need you to compensate for me. I need you to give me strength in all the areas where I'm weak. Here's a, a, something else that I'd like for you to write down. Number two, not only do needs pull on grace, but weakness pulls on grace. Do you know when Jonah went to go preach to these people? He preached the worst message ever preached in the history of preaching. How many of you have walked out of a church service before and went, that was boring. I have no idea what the guy said. Anyone? I mean, before you came to celebration, right? <laughs> Raise your hand. You're like, I have no idea what that guy said. That was horrible. That was absolutely terrible. Oh, my goodness. What, that, whatever you heard, this was worse. Jonah did everything he could, not to go into details, but he jumped on a ship and went the other way. A, a, a whale had to gobble him up and spit him in the right direction. He gets there and he's like, okay, I'll, I'll preach to these sinful, raggedy, dirtbag people who should be burning in hell. Fine, I'll do it. And this is actually a quote from the Bible. This is his whole sermon. Ask forgiveness 
or God's judgment will come upon you. There, did I do what you wanted me to do? Ask forgiveness or God's judge. That was it. The whole sermon. No props. No frames. No, no stories. No illustrations. No anecdotes. He didn't even bring the Old Testament Torah. Nothing. The worst message you could possibly preach. No, did he mean to preach it? Possibly. But his capacity to do any better wasn't there. He didn't like these people. He didn't care for these people. That was the best he could do. And when somebody does the best they can do, God's grace makes up the difference. And do you know what the whole city did with that lame sermon? God's grace touched those nine words or ten words and they all got on their knees and said God would you please forgive us and they all got saved God's grace kicks in when our weakness comes around let me illustrate this with a a visual if I can Um, uh, let's see here uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Omar, come on up here. All right, Omar. I need you to stand. Let's see here. I need you to stand. Don't act like you've done this before. I want you to stand right right here, right where my feet are. There we go. And and I need you. Do not move your feet. Whatever you do, you can move everything. You can shake it and own it, but you can't move your feet. I need you to grab my Bible. Do not move your feet. If you move your feet, you owe me 20 bucks. (laughs) Come on. You you weak. (laughs) That's all you got? All right. Don't move your feet. (laughs) Isn't it frustrating? Isn't it frustrating when you need to be able to do something? You need to be able to make something better. You need to be able to make something better. And with all your might, you can't. That's when you back up and you say, God, I need your grace today. And then... Crystal, come on up here. God does things that you can't do. He sends somebody into your life. Go ahead and hold hands for a second. And Crystal, would you just simply hand Omar the Bible? Do you see how easy... You see how, was, was that hard for you? Was that strenuous for you? God puts 
someone or something or a situation that makes it so much easier. It's not strenuous for them. The moment wasn't strenuous. And then you back up and you go, oh my goodness, that was, wow, I didn't see that coming. I have a friend of mine who I'm thinking about right now who attends our church. He has been hating his job for years. All of a sudden, his boss resigned, and he's moving up. He did not see that coming. This is when grace kicks in, where one person comes into your life, one situation comes into your life. I have a friend of mine. He got hurt. He had about $22,000 of medical bills. Stress out of his mind. I don't know what happened on the phone. But the company just said, you know what? We're just going to wipe it all away. Uh What? I know what you're thinking. What's that person's number and direct extension to (laughs) to their desk? God does things through his grace when we're weak that you and I cannot do. Can you put your hands together for that? Thank you, Omar. Last and final point. Not only does needs pull on grace, not only do our weaknesses pull on grace, but grace is bottomless. Grace is bottomless. Now, when I was writing these notes in full transparency, I wanted to word the last point, endless grace. Because it just rolls off our tongue so much better, right? Say that with me, endless grace. One, two, three. Endless grace. See, it's just like, just should be like a song or something, right? Just endless grace. But grace is bottomless. It's just like, you know? So I want it to be memorable. I want it to just be kind of poetic. It's just like needs pull on grace. Weakness pulls on grace. Grace is endless. It just rolls, right? But I was just like, I'm in Texas, and, and Texans are addicted to Mexican food. And we know what bottomless means. Right? When we walk into a Mexican restaurant, we know it's bottomless. The chips are all you can eat. You can't eat all the chips in the store. You can eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. You can go from starving to miserably full before your meal ever gets there. We know what bottomless means, don't we? Oh, yeah. Is there anyone here that could just have the chips only and go home? Just go home. Just go home. I used to work at a Mexican restaurant. I know some of you are thinking, how many places did you work? That's none of your business, really. But I used to work at a Mexican restaurant, and, I, and, and we had these huge buckets. They looked like paint buckets, but we had these huge buckets that there was some lady smacking tortillas, putting them in this, and then she'd cut them up and put them in the deep fryer. She'd just keep on making these chips, 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 chips. And it was our job as the wait staff that anytime we saw four buckets full, we had to grab the four buckets. It wasn't her job. 
her job was to make chips and put them in these buckets. Waiters and waitresses, anytime we saw these four buckets full, we just grab the four buckets and we dump them into this bin. We open up the top, kind of like putting uh, ice inside of a, 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 you know what I'm talking about? And so, I speak for a living if you haven't figured that out, but we dump them on the top and then the, the waiters and waitresses, we take these baskets and we open up the lid and we pull out chips. But literally, there's so many chips that we're dumping it in there. Just dumping it. There are zillions of chips. You can't out-chip a Mexican restaurant. (laughs) There's nobody that's going to come to you and go, we are actually out of chips. (laughs) Like... That's not going to happen. They have so many chips. That lady back there, she's like a machine. It's a machine. It's a machine. You can't run. There's more chips than you can chip yourself out. There's, there's more chips. And you know what the Bible says about grace? It's, it's so bottomless. It doesn't word it that way. It words it much more eloquent. But watch this. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches. Everybody say riches. Riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Do you know what rich means? Rich means, when it comes to finances, that you have more money than what you need. So I remember my dad told me I was rich when I was 16 because I was a busboy at an Italian restaurant. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Don't connect the dots. You're almost there. Uh, and, and I was making about $150 a week, but I was 16. I had no bills. I had no bills. So I'd make the money, and I, and I, put, I had this, like, rabbit fur in my, in my room, and I'd put it underneath this rabbit fur. $150. I have no bills. I have nothing to spend it on. Just stuck it under there. My dad was like, you are rich. You have $150 that you can flush down the toilet right now, and it doesn't change your life one bit. I put $150, I'm 16 years old. You, when you have more money than what you need, you're rich. The Bible says that God's grace is rich. He's got more than what you will ever need. There's more chips than what you'll ever need. There's more grace than what you'll ever need. He's, you cannot use all the grace that he has. And so when you say to God, God, I've said something I wish I didn't say. I did something I wish I didn't do. I need you, I need you to compensate. I, I, I have exceeded my ability. I have overstepped my frame. This situation is too big for me. You back up and you say, I need your grace. Your needs pull on grace. It pulls on it. It pulls on it. Your your weaknesses pull on it. And you can't use it too much.